Welcome to the Authority Podcast, Plumbing and Mechanical. When talking about the built environment, we would do well to remember, we shape our buildings and afterwards our buildings shape us. Therefore, on each episode, we'll discuss the latest trends from my Atmo in plumbing and mechanical safety, sustainability, and resiliency. Join me, your host, Christoph Lohr, and together we'll explore the ways we can make our buildings shape us for the better. Aaron Tartakovsky, co-founder and CEO of Epic Clean Tech, highlighted the newfound prominence of water during the renowned World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos this year. On today's podcast, we speak with Tartakovsky about the convergence of technology, regulations, and innovative business models aimed at tackling water-related climate issues. We'll also discuss how to market plumbing, like marketing recycled water for beer. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Glad to be here. Always happy to chat all things plumbing and mechanical, so this is great. Uh, well, we're super excited to have you. Well, in this episode, we're going to highlight the newfound prominence of water during the renowned World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos this year. Uh, we're also going to delve into the convergence of technology, regulations, and innovative business models aimed at tackling water-related climate issues. And then finally, we're going to talk about how to market plumbing, like marketing recycled water beer. Uh, so Aaron, we're super excited to have you on here. And as mentioned, sort of our goals for the podcast here, first, let's start with the World Economic Forum. And you wrote on your blog at the World Economic Forum this year, you experienced a first that water was actually at the forefront of this major international conference. So why do you think that is? Look, water is an interesting thing. You know, it's omnipresent in our lives. It literally touches everything that we do. But we as a society, I like to say we live in, in a bit of a flush and forget society. We don't think about what happens after we flush the toilet and we turn on the tap, water just comes out. And frankly, that's a consequence of our engineers uh, and people who have designed these systems so well that they kind of do exist out of sight, out of mind. But the problem is, is that, you know, decades of that out of sight, out of mind reality means that there isn't enough focus on water and on wastewater. And I think, um, you know, certainly when you compare us to energy, we receive a fraction of the attention, the investment that the energy world receives. So I think, you know, the World Economic Forum, which again, you know, very prominent global gathering happens every year in Davos, Switzerland, as you mentioned, some of the largest companies in the world coming there. Uh, and they made water a focus this year. So we were there as part of the Global Freshwater Innovation Challenge, which was sort of a, a collaboration between Salesforce, Deloitte, and then HCL Enterprise, one of the largest publicly traded companies in India. And their goal was to accelerate some of the leading water solutions in the world um, to help create and take advantage of our freshwater supplies in a, in a more strategic and sustainable way. Uh, and so that's why we were there. And I think what was really amazing is that water was really a prominent feature of the conference. There was a lot of discussion about water uh, with some of the largest companies in the world. You know, and I would agree with you, Aaron. I think that it's amazing. I read a couple books, uh, The Power of Moments and then The Three Ages of Water, two really interesting books. Uh, and, and, and both of them, there's, there's these wonderful quotes that talk about plumbing and delivery of drinkable water and, and sanitation systems and how plumbing systems had had one of the biggest positive impacts in terms of public health and safety. The British Medical Journal uh, voted it in 2006, the top public health breakthrough. And then um, you know many others, uh, such in the book Three Ages of Water, there's a wonderful quote in there that says how when you look at all the sciences, plumbing has had the most positive impact on people. And, and water, like you said, Aaron, that's a key part of, of all plumbing systems. And, and so I'm really glad to hear that water is top of mind. And as you engage with representative top brands such as Coca-Cola, Microsoft, and Salesforce, um, you know, it's good to hear that these are top of mind. What was on the minds of these global brands when it comes to water? 
You know, I think part of the reason why there was such a strong focus on water is that I think water challenges, water scarcity issues, wastewater capacity issues are starting to have a real impact on the bottom line of these large companies. You know, if you are a Coca-Cola, water is the single biggest ingredient for your products. And I think in a lot of these areas where Coca-Cola operates, where they have their bottling facilities, you have water scarcity issues. So you have to grapple with the fact that how do we create a product where we're literally bottling water from one community and then sending it around the world when that community is already struggling? Uh, with the large tech companies, they need to build data centers. They cannot build data centers fast enough. The average data center uses the same amount of water as a 50,000 person city for their cooling. You know, we're starting to hear about new developments, you know, just recently in Arizona, new real estate developments outside of Phoenix that can't be built because they don't have enough water supplies. So, you know, when you start tracking just how much of this we're seeing around the world, you start to see, you know, a lot of these corporations are taking it a lot more seriously, you know, because when you couple urban population growth with 70% of the world's population expected to live in cities by 2050, and you add on to that, you know, aging water and wastewater infrastructure, you know, in this country, we have a lot of pipes and facilities built hundred years ago. And then on top of that, a changing climate where our weather patterns are a lot more unpredictable. Uh, we're seeing kind of this perfect storm of water challenges, which is why this whole topic is gaining more prominence and excitingly more investment too. But again, we, we can't keep up with our energy friends, but we are getting a lot more attention both on water and the built environment. So I think the intersection of those two is, is really interesting. That's a great point about the intersection of water and energy. And I think and you also mentioned sort of that intersection of safety and sustainability as well. And, and this is something actually at Atmo that we're uh, working very closely on uh, with a lot of organizations. And one of the worth mentioning is uh, the Emerging Water Technology Symposium, which is coming up in May of 2024. Uh, the whole theme for that is the safety and sustainability nexus. So this topic of these common points, you know, it's important for policymakers, I think, to understand this. And and so I guess in your opinion, how can policymakers strike a balance between promoting sustainable economic growth and addressing environmental concerns in the context of emerging water technologies? Because that always seems to come up because people, you know, like you mentioned, it's water systems are overlooked. People don't necessarily think about it. So how can we help policymakers strike that balance? Yeah. And look, I'm glad you brought up policy. So my background is actually in federal politics. And um, I am very aware of the fact that, you know, elected officials on any given day are being approached by, you know, on a million different topics. And oftentimes you have to be successful in getting their attention to be able to advance any certain issue. Now, I think when it comes to water and wastewater, I think, you know, we've had decades of elected officials who frankly have prioritized other issues. You know, if you're trying to get elected to office, it's a lot sexier to say, I'm going to you know, rebuild our parks, schools and playgrounds than I'm going to dig up our water and wastewater infrastructure and you know, mess up your morning commute. That's kind of why that's at least one of the reasons why we're in the, the situation that we are today. But, you know, I think a lot of our elected officials and our regulators are practical. And I'll, I'll use San Francisco as, as an example. Uh, San Francisco, over the last 10 years, has developed a very pioneering water reuse program where Every new large construction project over 100,000 square feet now has to have an on-site water reuse system, meaning we are collecting wastewater from the building, whether that's gray water or black water or storm water, treating it and then reusing it in the building for non-potable applications like toilet flushing, urinals, cooling towers, irrigation, laundry. And, you know, it's, it's a really simple idea. And, and it came up during the, during the drought. It's why are we using fresh water, fresh pristine potable water from our national parks 
to flush the toilets of you know Twitter's tech employees in downtown San Francisco? Why are we not using recycled water sources for these applications that don't require drinking water? So it was a matter of bringing together the public health folks, the building inspection folks, the water wastewater utility. And that's just a one example, but it's, it's how we can actually create these really interesting regulatory frameworks that will allow these new technologies to emerge and to you know, basically accelerate their deployment. I think that's a great point you bring up, Aaron, also in terms of like the flushing and finding ways to reuse it. Uh, that's actually a topic that, especially from my background as a plumbing engineer that designed a lot of healthcare and hospitality, I mean, this whole concern of waterborne pathogens and flushing out, you know, potable water to keep the system safe. I think, you know, that's actually, you know, what we're going to be recording, I think, another podcast episode on this. And I think that's a topic that I think we haven't explored enough in terms of how water reuse can actually help promote safety. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. I'll, I'll say one thing that I always say to people. I mean, one of my co-founders is also my father. Uh, my father is an MEP engineer, uh, so we are a big IATMO family. And, you know, he was actually trained in the Soviet Union. So he was trained in the Soviet aerospace program, literally working on rockets. And as he often says, you know, what do you think the astronauts are drinking when they're in space? We've had these technologies for a very long time. They're robust. Uh, they work very well. It's just about coming up with the right frameworks to deploy them that are protecting public health. But you know, as I said, the technology is there. It's just about finding the smart and safe ways to actually get them out in the field. Well, you talk about getting them out into the field, right? And so there, there's that whole aspect of the workforce that's needed to install these things. You know, I think that's another item that policymakers need to be thinking about is in terms of training a workforce. And what should policymakers be thinking about in terms of training a workforce for these types of emerging technologies? What, what are your thoughts there? I mean, look, I think there is a, a huge workforce development opportunity whether it's with water, I think broadly with this whole climate tech world of really good paying, stable jobs. I mean, I think one of the beauties of water is that it's never going away and certainly with wastewater too. Um, so it's a, a very reliable job. Um, and I think one of the things we, I mean, specifically what we're grappling with is that so much of the innovation around water and wastewater has been really focused on the sort of at the centralized level, which is to say large treatment plants, connected by, you know, long underground networks of water and sewer pipes. And that's basically how we've designed our cities for 250 years. So most of the folks, most of the innovation are kind of focused on working along kind of that paradigm. When we start talking about what we do, which is, you know, deploying these on-site water reuse systems in the buildings, um, you know, we need those same operators to come and operate our systems. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who can do it, but by regulation, we need certified water wastewater operators. One of the challenges, and I'll give you just one example, is that, you know, if you want to get your certifications as a certified water wastewater operator, you need to work at a municipal plant, which means if you want to come and work with us, then you're going to have to potentially forfeit your ability to continue getting those certifications. So that's changing. There are new certification programs being developed uh, for these on-site water reuse programs. But I think that's just one example of how we can create these really interesting pathways to create, I mean, essentially new workforces. Um, and, and every community that we're going into, where we're deploying these systems, you know, being the first to do it in several new cities and states, um, that workforce component is a big one. And it's one that gets people pretty excited. Uh, that, that's really exciting. I'll, I'll be honest, it makes me excited too, Aaron. I, th I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. And I think a, a large part of that can be filled with experts in the plumbing industry that can help jump in and provides a lot of opportunity. Uh, 
I loved your ad campaign about beer made with recycled water. Uh, it was a totally brilliant uh, awareness campaign in a building across the street sort of thing. Uh, what advice would you give to the plumbing industry on how to market plumbing careers today? You know, you mentioned sort of that some of the stuff isn't sexy. Um, you know, it's not something that people necessarily want to talk about. But now that water is finally having its moment on the world stage, you know, how, how do we, you know, what would the advice you'd be given to, to the plumbing industry on how to market plumbing careers today? Yeah, look, you know, I think we as a company, we have kind of leaned in to the, the yuck factor side of things. You know, I think there is a general perception that water and wastewater, as you said, is not sexy. And on the flip side, what we've found is that everyone kind of turns into their inner middle schooler when you start talking about these topics, when you start talking about all things, toilets and waste and everything else. And so we've kind of we've kind of leaned into that a little bit. And as you, as you noted, we took this highly purified water uh, from one of our buildings. So this is gray water from showers and laundry. We purified it and we turned it into beer. Uh, and then, you know, this is not a commercial product. This was meant to be a demonstration of sort of the untapped potential of water reuse. But what we found is it really resonated, folks. There was a little bit of the, you know, the, the zany factor of it, of taking purified shower water, making a beer. But in terms of the success of the campaign, I mean, obviously, it was picked up by a lot of big publications. To date, uh, we are just over 1 billion media impressions on that beer campaign. And it's helped to start the conversation. And I think when you show people these technologies are capable of producing water that can produce an incredible beer, all of a sudden those technologies start to, they start to trust them a lot more. That's why we did it. Um, so I think that's just one example of just finding new interesting ways to make water approachable to people. Because if we only talk about just like the really technical aspects of it, we're going to lose huge swaths of the population for whom, you know, a lot of the technical stuff that our engineers do, our contractors do, is just foreign to people. So if you make it approachable, um, I think that's that's a key. Uh, it sounds almost like also um, it's it's showing people what the possibilities are um, and letting them imagine a little bit. Uh, that's that's a good point. That's one I'm going to take the heart here. All right, so you know we're kind of wrapping up here. What do you think we will be talking about the next time we have you on the podcast? Because I would absolutely love to have you come back. So what do you think in terms of water reuse we're going to be talking about uh, maybe in the next six months to a year time frame? Yeah, look, I think water, uh, when it comes to buildings, buildings globally use 14% of all potable water. Almost no buildings reuse that water. And that's, that's what we're focused on changing as a company. I would say what we're going to start seeing is that water is going to have its solar moment, which is to say what solar did for the energy world of moving from a sole reliance on centralized infrastructure to smaller distributed infrastructure, you know, going from just big coal plants to smaller rooftop solar. We are not doing that for water. Um, and I think we're 15 years behind the energy folks, but we're going to start seeing a lot more of that. And so I think in six months, we're going to start seeing more cities, more states, more countries starting to uh, kind of pick up the, the the playbook that we're developing out here in the West Coast. I love it. I love it. Well, on behalf of the Authority Podcast, Plumbing Mechanical, I just want to say thanks for your time, Aaron. I know you're super busy. Uh, obviously, you've been engaged with a lot of things, but appreciate you sharing your expertise, your insights uh, and your time with us here this morning. Happy to join. And as I said, big fans of IATMO and look forward to doing more work together. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Authority Podcast, Plumbing and Mechanical. Love this episode of the podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Please follow us on Twitter at AuthorityPM, on Instagram at The Authority Podcast, or email us at iatmo at iatmo.org. Join us next time for another episode of the Authority Podcast, Plumbing and Mechanical. In the meantime, let's work together to make our buildings more resilient and shape us for the better.